Bible in Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. Take me, Jimmy. Let me go. All right, today we're going to look in the Bible from Matthew 18, verses 1 through 14. We've been going through the book of Matthew, pretty much verse by verse. We're into chapter 18. Last week we looked at actually uh, when Jesus did something he didn't have to do. And um, he had a lot of liberty. He has all power. But in, on the earthly standpoint, he had all this liberty. And he chose to set aside his liberties to treat somebody a little differently so as not to offend. We looked at that last week. <clears throat> but we're going to look in chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, on the subject of this, what Christ taught about children. What Christ taught about children. Children and little ones are brought up several times in this passage. <clears throat> so let's just read the passage. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 14, beginning verse 1, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that <clears throat> offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. <clears throat> For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be he find, that he find it, verily I say unto you that he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The Bible says at the end of the, in fact, at the end of the book of Matthew, look what it says. Hold your place there. Matthew, some of the last words of Jesus... As, as recorded in Matthew, um, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. 
Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, Go ye therefore, as he's telling his disciples what, how the rest of their life should look, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now notice these words, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus told his disciples to, to go out and preach the gospel and baptize converts. But he said, teach them everything that I taught you. Teach them everything that I said. And back in our text here, Matthew 18, the theme is, there's, a, there's kind of a couple different overlapping themes, but the theme we're taking up today is what Christ taught about children. He talks a little bit about offenses, and, and those subjects kind of overlap. Later on, he's going to talk about conflict resolution. Later on, this is an interesting relational chapter, okay? Chapter 18 of Matthew. Children, offenses, uh, personal, resolving personal offenses. Church, it's usually adapted, that template there in Matthew 18 is usually how to, fix, how to do church discipline. And then a lengthy passage. I've read it's the lengthiest passage on the topic of forgiveness towards the end of chapter 18. So you kind of have this idea of, you know, how to resolve conflict and forgive people. But the first section is what we're taking up is, is what Jesus is saying about children. Or deserve, observe all things. So I want to observe what he taught about children. Uh, anybody take your kids to a pediatrician? They do? They're like, I am the pediatrician, Pastor. I'm Dr. Mom. I look up on the internet and stuff, see what it is. You know, self-diagnose. You know, some of us have pediatricians. You just didn't want to raise your hand. Um, uh, some of us, you are the pediatrician. Um, Christ is the great pedi pediatrician. The great pe we say he's the great physician. He is the great physician for the soul. Our soul aches and has needs, and we can't find doctors to help with that. But he's the great physician for the soul. He is the great physician for the body. He's going to give you a new one. You're like, why doesn't God heal me? Now, I don't, everything's going to get healed one of these days. Just, if you get healed now, you're still going to die of something later. You know, everything's going to, he's going to give us a new body. Christ is the great pediatrician. He knows a lot about kids. You know, I, you know, we got nine kids, and sometimes I'm just like, man, how do I deal with these kids still? You know, sometimes people see a guy, they have a lot of kids, and they think you know everything. I'm like, I don't. I can, I just tell you how I've, I've struck out more times than you, you know. And I know, honestly, my wife and I are trying to learn. We're trying to learn how to raise our kids. We use the Bible. We want to know how to treat our children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But here, Jesus teaches us some things about children. Five truths. <clears throat> Five truths. Let me name them. Let me just say them, the points here for today. The first two kind of relate more to <clears throat> us learning from children. The first point is you must become like a child if you even want to see the kingdom of heaven. The second point is you need to be humble like a child if you want to be great in God's eyes. The third point is, look at my notes because I can't read my tiny handwriting in my Bible, you must have a receptive attitude towards children. The fourth point is you must prevent offending a child. And the last point is you must not despise or that is overlook or disregard a child. 
Those are five very helpful points right there, just about children. The first two deal with us that are grown, perhaps saved or unsaved. Everybody has something to learn from these first two points, um, as we, from all the points, but these first two, um, let's listen to them. The first thing Jesus teaches is about the fact that you need to be like a child if you want to go to heaven. The kingdom of God. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be like a child. So how does this all start? How does this discussion start? There is a discussion going on, chapter 19, verse 1. The goat question. Greatest of all time type of question. You know, my boy's talking about, oh, that guy's the goat. LeBron is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Kobe's the goat. Michael Jordan's a goat. No, not everybody can be a goat. In fact, we don't know if any of them are goats because they haven't lived for all time yet. If you've lived for all time, we'll know if you're the goat, all right? They could, these guys are going to die, and somebody else is going to come along, and when you've called him the greatest of all time, it'll be, have to be dismissed. But anyways, my boys talk about the goat. This guy's awesome. He's the greatest of all time. Well, the disciples are having this goat question. It came to pass, verse uh, 18, verse 1, chapter 18, verse 1, the disciples came into Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the goat there? Who's going to be the greatest? And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, what are these guys, I'm, what are these guys thinking? They're thinking of who's going to be like the, the superhero Christian. Yeah, Jesus, we know you're the Messiah, but who's going to be like the super awesome hero guy in heaven? And Jesus, here's teachers, here's a good little teaching method. Jesus does this little object lesson. He has all these big guys standing around, and he calls a little child, come here. And the child comes, stands in the middle of a bunch of guys. He calls a child to stand in the middle of them. And he teaches this first point. Look at verse 3. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So they're thinking, who's going to be the greatest one up there? And Jesus now, these are disciples. I hope it stirred their mind and got them to question their own faith for hopefully this, these moments here. Because he says, you guys aren't even going to go there unless you're like this little guy right here. So again, he brings the child in the middle, and he says, unless you become, as it says, as little children. When he says, except ye be converted and become as little children. Converted, he's not saying converted in the sense, the, the whole complete description of salvation term, we say conversion. He's talking about being altered in, in a person's disposition. Um, you know, some people can hear the gospel. They can hear the gospel, the death of Jesus Christ, his burial, and his resurrection. They can hear it, and they can hear it with a... I've learned, I know many things. I've read the Bible through many times. I've took theological courses. And they hear this and they process this stuff about the gospel. But they need to be like humbled and ex to, enough to accept that and concede that they're, they're a pathetic sinner like the rest of us and they need to cast their pathetic self on Jesus Christ. That's the idea of, except you be converted. In other words, altered in your mentality. You're not even, you're, and become as a little child, a little child trusts the person around them that has all the resources because they have none, that has all the strength because they have none. When you, if we're all, if anybody's saved today, it's because you saved, you were saved in, in, from a, 
from the you were saved in a childlike disposition of mind. That's right. You weren't saved as an arms folded scholar that knows everything. Just educate me a little more. It wasn't like that or just, okay, except no, you were saved like a little kid. Else you're not saved and you're not seeing the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there's a, there was a degree of humility. There's a degree, a great degree of helplessness. What is a child like? Again, a child is, is, is one who trusts another, the resources of another, because they have, kids don't have resources. I mean, the little child doesn't have resources. It's not like when Jesus called this little, little guy in the middle of, the, of all the disciples, he's like, hey guys, anybody need to borrow some money? You know, or guys, I bet you I can beat all of you in our mouth. No, he's got no resources. He'd be the one to be like, Peter, can you lift me up on the tree? You know, he, he's, he's dependent. He's dependent. And he's um, meek in that sense. Now, I know there's exceptions. Some kids are very, you're like, boy, that kid's very proud. or that's very. But in general, we see the idea of dependency, child dependency. All right? So a person will not even see the kingdom of heaven unless they become like a child. Um, I told you my, my favorite, one of my favorite illustrations, the McDonald's illustration before. That's like my fun favorite thing to tell. They had like one McDonald's here that I remember as a kid. I went to McDonald's, you know, 35, 40 years ago. And um, they, I don't remember the one in Mace, but I remember there was one in Phoenix that had two doors. Had the regular door, and then to the left it had the door that's this size. Did anybody grow up in a blessed golden age like that? All right, Corey, probably the same McDonald's in Phoenix. Was there one in Mesa had that? Okay, okay, maybe I didn't, I missed that one. My parents drove further to the other one, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, you got the, there was a day when McDonald's had the mini door and the bigger doors, and, and I'm like, I yes, you just felt so special, you know? I'm not going through the, I'm going through this little door. I just felt like such an important little guy, you know, walking through there, and um that was pretty neat. Imagine if McDonald's decided all their doors are going to be like that. Every McDonald's, everywhere, they only have doors like this. Imagine that. What would happen? Besides some really sensitive, sensitive liberal saying, you know, trying to sue them. Besides that, you know, saying they're discriminating against really tall people. I don't know, you know. Besides that, what would happen? I mean, people are going to be like, I'm not going there. Come on, this is dumb. I'm just going to go to Burger King, you know. I'm not going to go through that door. People are going to be like that. They would be like that because they didn't want to, okay, all right, you know, stoop and go in. It, doesn't it take a little bit of humility to, okay, all right. Uh, uh, all right, and then the kids laugh at you, <laughs> you know. But, that's, that's, the, that's the concept. I'm telling you, what Jesus taught about children, we need to hear because this first point is the, 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 a child is a temple for the demeanor and disposition and the attitude a person must have in accepting Christ as their Savior. We cast ourselves on Him. Jesus, save me. I mean, one of my boys, he used to get out of the van. He was so used to me crashing. Sometimes he'd just go like this. He'd, he'd, he'd fall on me. And sometimes I, wouldn't, I was like putting one kid out and they'd say, oh, he fell right in my arms. You know, he just trusted me. And that's what we're doing. That's how you get saved. If Jesus, 
That's me. When I was learning how to swim, I didn't trust anybody. And finally, I trusted my dad. I just held on to my dad when I was like five. And he swam me across this pool. Just childlike faith. And so if you're here today, I don't care how much you know. I don't care how old you are, young you are. If you've never put your childlike faith in Jesus Christ, you'll never see, as he says. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the abode of God, the dominion of God. All right, number two. Verse, I believe verse 4 teaches us, furthermore, we must humble ourselves as a child in order to be great with God. Now, some have just lumped this into one point. I think there's another aspect here, though, that even if you are a Christian and you have uh, been saved like a child, but notice verse 4 also says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's interesting. Greatness with God is seen with, from the standpoint of humility. Look at chapter 23. Matthew 23, 12. By the way, the, this chapter of Matthew 23, Jesus is, whoa, He's just unleashing tough, tough uh, language and tough, I shouldn't say like it's bad language, but tough words on these religious Pharisees and one of the things he gets them on is the, the idea of self-exaltation. Matthew 23, 12, it says, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. See, Jesus knows the future. Jesus knows he's, he's God. He's the Alpha and Omega. And he's telling these religious leaders and, and anybody that's listening, if you're exalting yourself, you're going to be abased. Whoever humbles himself, they will be exalted. In other words, if we just humbly live and carry out our life for Jesus Christ, God sees that as great in His eyes, and He will exalt you and reward you. What does it say somewhere in Micah? What does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before thy God. He requires us to walk humbly before God. And that's like a, that's a child is humble. It, 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 there's that humble demeanor there. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth, God says, he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James 4, 10 says, humble yourselves. This is for us. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I'm, I'm very thankful. Let me just pause a second. I'm thankful for we had some prayer, a lot of prayer going on at the Capitol yesterday. We have a missionary we support there. He's got a church there. He was there. Uh, Franklin Graham's doing a big old thing. We're th happy for that and some others. But I was thinking, you know, if we were to go with um, um, the Bible pattern of God lifting up and giving revival, it's going to take a lot of falling down first, a lot of humility, not so much a lot of more music, a lot more praise, not so much. That's not going to get it. It's a lot more if my people shall humble themselves and then pray, and seek my face, then I will, I'll heal you, and I'll lift you up, and I'll heal your land, and so I, I, I think that <clears throat> part of us say, I need a lift in my life, okay, then take a fall, and take a fast, and take prayer, and, and uh, you'll get a lift, humble yourselves, and you'll get a lift, James 4.10, 1 Peter 5.6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, it's okay to be motivated by this, that he may exalt you in due time. Say, I want God to lift me up. You, it's okay to want God to give you a lift. 
So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And uh, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So back at the text here, Jesus is talking about greatness. He says, okay, you won't see the kingdom of God unless you're like a child. And you're not even great in God's eyes unless you humble yourself as this little child. Now think about this scene here. Of the, again, you have these disciples standing around. Jesus is standing there. And, um, and they said, Lord, who's, gonna, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus calls it. See, sometimes I might do this in church, like, hey, come on up here, and some of the little kids will come on up here, you know. They kind of make themselves vulnerable, just, you know, standing up there. Well, Jesus said, hey, come here. He called a child. What did the child do? He came. He came on over. Stood right, he responded, stood right there. Don't know what he looked like. Looked probably like a little Jewish dude, you know. And... Um, but he was willing to stand in the midst. He probably was, you know, this is, this is what I realized as I was studying. It's like, um, unconcerned about his social status. You know, un, just, I'm there, you know. Hey, kid, your zipper's down. You know, oh, okay, you know. I mean, of course, they didn't have those. But anyways, you know what I mean? Some kids are just like that. At least I know some boys. He just came, okay. He just made himself vulnerable there. And, and that's what we need to be like with God is like, I want to, I'm just going to be like a kid before God. I'm going to be like a child. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm willing to just put myself out there and do whatever he wants as his child and humble myself as a child. Some of us were way up here. We've been saved a long time, got a lot of experience. We're not willing to just go down and be childlike before God. But that's what he wants. That's what he taught about children. But furthermore, now it's going to kind of be more on our, how our position is towards children as these next few points go. Notice this. Number three, we, need, we learn that we have to have a receptive attitude towards children. Look at verse five. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Receiving a child, being receptive. A receptive attitude to children. Remember when I, when I was growing up, I went to uh, did you say you played at Diablo Stadium? So um, we went to a few spring training games there. Uh, Diablo Stadium's off I-10, kind of, kind of right. You're going to Phoenix, Tempe area, and we went to an Angels. I think it was the California Angels at the time. I don't know what they are now. They keep changing. Uh, but we went to a spring training game, and Reggie Jackson. Uh, some of y'all remember Reggie Jackson. I'm pretty sure he's in the Hall of Fame. Mr. October, you know, pretty good baseball player. Well, I got to see Reggie Jackson play some of his last years and um, at that spring training game. And I remember at a spring training game, I don't know how it is now, but it was pretty, it was very wide, kind of like you really could connect with the players. You could almost go on the field. Um, they would come over to you. It was just a little more interactive. And I remember watching a game. I was there with one of my friends watching, a, um, you know, the Angels play whoever, the A's or something. And we were, we were just waiting. We wanted to get Reggie Jackson's autograph because he was, we were right behind their dugout. And we saw him going. And he was kind of a little bit belligerent, you know. And I thought, oh, he just kind of has an attitude, you know. But like, oh, well, you know, still try to get his autograph, you know, afterwards. And, and so the game ended. And, and when the game ended, he was kind of coming off the field. And, and I didn't even get a chance to get out there. But probably five or six kids, they apparently let you out on the field after the game because people were going out there. 
And some of these kids started going out on the field, and they, Reggie Jackson, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson. And he was walking toward, he's just like, nah, nah. And he just goes, nah, like that. Just kind of turned all the kids away. As maybe, like I said, maybe five or six of them. Nah, nah. He's acting so irritated, and they're just like, oh, okay. And they come walking back. And I think I was a sixth grader. I remember seeing these kids walk back, and I remember thinking, what a jerk. I don't like Reggie Jackson. <laughs> you know, I mean, just be, maybe we got him on a bad day. I don't know. Maybe he was better the other days. I don't know. But I just thought he's just kind of a kind of a rude, you know, to us kids. Jesus says, receive, you know, be receptive to children. Have a receptive attitude to kids. Now think about this. Um, Christ's nature is as a child. So the way we react to children is indicative of how we'd react to Christ. Isn't that Christ humble? Isn't that Christ meek? And so the way we treat children has some parallel on how we react to Christ. He's meek and mild, lowly in heart. So we should be, we should accommodate the best we can and converse with children. Receive such a little child in my whoso, look what it says, verse 5. Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. That's what I'm like. You're being receptive to a kid. It's like being receptive to me. Isn't that amazing? Jesus makes himself like a child. It's amazing. Um, number four, this gets the language. It gets very serious here. You must prevent offending a child. You must prevent offending a child. Look at verse six. But, however, whoso shall offend? One of these little ones which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Offend. The word offend, whoso shall offend, it means an injury to one's mind or body. Violating proper kind of behavior. Think about these verse. Think about this verse here. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. He's not, Jesus doesn't say, okay, people, now don't disappoint children. That's not what he's saying because we need to disappoint kids more often. Did you know one of David's parental problems in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 1 says, David had a bad, one of his sons is really bad because he never displeased him. And that kid thought he can get what he wanted and he tried to take over the kingdom and it got out of hand. We need to displease kids. We need to disappoint them. My wife and I are pretty good at that. I, I, one of my kids, I, you know, have you heard of the ADD? What is it? Attention Deficit Disorder? Okay, one of my boys, I said, this kid has ADDD, a difficulty dealing with disappointment disorder. Because when he's disappointed, it was like, face crunched up, and I mean, it lasted until he's about four, you know? And had difficulty, he said, he just can't handle the no or being displeased or being denied, difficulty dealing with disappointment disorder. And um, anyways, but that's not, I'm not offending my kid by displeasing them or denying them something that's not necessary to their, to their you know, health. Um, so he's, Jesus is not talking about dis, displeasing a kid or disappointing them. He's not talking about loving discipline either. We need to practice loving discipline on our kids. Proverbs says that's how you show you love them. If you don't chasten them, you must hate them. But taking the time to chasten them and even being disliked for them, by them for a while means you really love them. 
And anyways, but Jesus is talking about a serious thing here, violating kind behavior, safe behavior, courteous treatment. You know, we really got to be careful, based on Jesus' words here, that we hurt not a child. Don't hurt them. Abuse. Some kind of verbal just railing that has a deep effect on them. You know, the Bible talks about our words being like swords. Um, neglect. I mean, neglect to a detrimental effect. You know, we, my, my wife and I, you know, our, our kids test us, right? You know, it tests our patience. Um, you know, it's, I have to keep under my body, keep my anger at bay, not get angry. I have to watch my words. You know, sometimes I, I forget when I'm talking to my boys, they're just, they're not men yet, they're just little men, they're men sprouting. And sometimes I have to remember that the way I speak to them, it's I speak to them per where they're at, their stage. Um, not Look what it says again. Offend. It means, the word actually is scandalize. <laughs> it means scandalize. Trip up. One of these little ones, which believe in me. Um, kids can really test your patience. Kids can be um, difficult. They got all kinds of Things they, we talked about syndromes and conditions, and maybe you're dealing with somebody else's kid. You know, my wife and I joke a little bit. We like, um, she'll say, "I'll come home," and she'll be like, "Oh, I didn't get anything done today." I was like, "Well, you, you, you know, what'd you do?" And I find out she read with Grant. She read with Noah. She helped Noah do math. She disciplined Noah because he's kind of tough. She did six loads of laundry, and she fed Charity all day, and she got. Uh, six hours of intermittent sleep. I'm like, you did something today. Yeah, but, and she's thinking of all these other things that she wants to get done. And I'm like, you did something today, you know. And then other times I'll come home and she'll be like, sweetie, I really didn't get anything done today. And I'll just look around. There's my kids. There's him. There's him. There's him. There's him. You didn't kill him. <laughs> you know. So. So. But we felt like it before, you know. So, you know, you can, you, you, kids are hard. And you can offend a child by being, you know, violent. Some people have molested kids. Some people have been, you know, just, you could say verbal abuse if that's the term you want to use. Uh, or just neglect. That's not good. So all I'm trying to do is I'm like, whoa, I'm giving pause to some words of Jesus Christ that come on the heels of that talk about millstones being around somebody's neck. Whoa, whoa, that's, that's serious stuff. Wow. <clears throat> so, number five, last of all, what did Jesus teach about children? He taught that we must be like one to, be, to enter the hev- into the kingdom. Must be humble in order to be great with God. We should be receptive to children, number three. Number four, we should prevent from offending a child. And then last of all, we must not despise. Notice what he says there. It's really verses 10 to 14. 
these last five verses. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. You know what despise means? It just means to overlook, to disregard, to neglect. Um, just like, yeah, I don't care about you. Just think of your own life and just disregard and overlook, neglect, and not think about what they might need. You must not despise. Take heed that ye despise not. One of these little ones, this is a very clear imperative. Don't despise them. Don't overlook. Don't neglect. Don't disregard the kids. Angels do not. Look at verse 10. That in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. What is that saying? I don't know if it's saying that every kid or every person has a guardian angel. I don't know if it's saying that. But I do know it's saying that angels are standing there at attention before God, as it says, beholding the face of my Father at attention, like ready to be dispatched. Are you, you want me to go help them? You ready to dispatch me? They're ready. God's looking out for kids. God, in particular, he says, these little ones that believe in me, he's looking out for them um, and ready to be dispatched. It's God's will, furthermore, that they be sought, those that aren't saved, that they be sought and saved, sought out and saved. Notice the language. Now, get a picture of a sheep. Get a picture of a lost sheep. Get a picture of a, of a shepherd leaving the 99 saved uh, sheep and finding the lost one. Notice that picture there, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to seek that which is lost. How thank you if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Now he asked that in a question. All those guys were like, yeah, that's what shepherds do. Yeah, Jesus, don't you think that's what a shepherd would do? Yeah, he, he keeps the ninety-nine contained in a corral or has an under-shepherd. He says, I'm going to find that lost sheep. And he goes around and find that little lost sheep. And he brings it back. He does the, takes the time, the effort for one little lost sheep. So Jesus uses that, per, that analogy, and he says, um, verse, the point is in verse 13, if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that lost sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Verse 14, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I take that to mean that God wants us to see every child saved. That's how I take that to mean. I want all my little ones to not, to be saved and not perish. When I take the time uh, to leave my other few to help reach and work on one of my other lost sheep until they're found there in the arms of Jesus and lead them to the Lord. So it's teaching us not to despise or overlook because God's interested in their salvation. It's interested in their salvation. Even so is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So, this is what Jesus, I'm just putting in front of your heart and mind what Jesus thinks and teaches about kids. Some of us, many of us have kids, children. We have little ones. Uh, others, we have grand little ones, <laughs> grandchildren. Nieces, nephews, some of you are teaching in a class here or somewhere else. This is what Jesus thinks about kids. Some of you, may perhaps you're not even saved. Well, Jesus points out a child to you today. He says you need to have that type of humility and dependence in order for you to see the kingdom that I have. I, I'll just say this as I close it, it, just for, in a few, for a few minutes here to chat with you. 
as I think about these things, I think about my life, and that uh, my life has felt the upside of these words right here that I show you today. I've been, the people around me have, have treated me well as a child growing up, you know, as a teenager. I mean, I think, I could, thinking of my mom, my mom, you know, did not despise me. She taught me and made, put into my conscience an awareness of God and of sin and of Christ as my Savior. And I accepted the Lord early in my life. My dad did the same, mentoring me and teaching me and being very generous to me. Um, I had um, grandparents that were Christians. I was blessed to have that. They, they treated, I'm just saying, they treated this person well as a kid. I wasn't spoiled, but they didn't. Uh, they cared about if I was going to church. They, my, guy, my grandparents gave me my first Bible. I have that at home. Um, I remember even, I didn't have a lot of Sunday school teachers, but I had good teachers, Sunday school teachers that were a blessing. Even one of my, I remember in kindergarten and first grade, I went to a Christian school in kindergarten and first grade, then I went to public school from thereafter. But I remember my, even my kindergarten teacher um, at Tri-City Christian Academy, this is like in 19... 79, 1979, 80, um, and I had the lovely Mrs. Bosco. She was probably 55, 60 years old at the time, and uh, um, she taught me how to read. Literally, she would take every kid in class and take a little moment. I don't know what the rest of us were doing, but we were behaved, and she would sit, we'd sit in her lap, and she'd teach us, we'd read through these Abeka readers, and she'd teach us, she remember teaching me how to read. Uh, they're on her lap in that classroom there. And <laughs> she taught me to read. She spanked me. And I deserved it. I needed it. And by the way, it was, it was legal and it was okay. It was in the policy of, it's not there anymore, but it was in the policy of, the, of that Christian school back in the old days, you know. I got a spanking, you know, and I needed it and it was fine. She spanked me twice. Yeah, yeah. see my dad? That? I remember going and she paddled my little disobedient hiney, you know, a couple of, it wasn't mean. I remember she'd say something and I, I cried and everything and she, I got spanked in kindergarten. Imagine that, Adam. Adam goes to the same school, you know. They don't do that anymore. They send them, I don't know. Dad's got to do it. So I remember getting a spanking from Mrs. You know what else she did? So I got, she taught me to read. She gave me a spanking. You know what else she did? She let me have a nap. I got a nap at school. I didn't know they did that. I mean, was did anybody else get nap time as kindergartners? Awesome! Do they still do that at school? At, Joe, you have your class do it? Not first graders, kindergarten. Oh, they're not there long enough. Man, that is awesome. We were like, I, I thought, this is great. We had a little mat, like a rug. It was just like a rug, and we'd roll it out. She'd turn the lights down, except the light by her desk. And we all laid down and took a nap. I'm like, yeah, she let me take a nap. You know, and then a few years later, I'd never want to take a nap. Now I want to go back to taking a nap. You know, you just go on this cycle. Whatever you are, were as a kid, you kind of go back to, you know, as you get older. Anyways, you want to nap again and drink milk. And anyways, um, so I'm just saying I had people in my life that, that cared and they treated this overgrown child right. My aunt and uncle, people in this church, such have enhanced and cultivated my life as it was tenderly developed. And all I'm telling you today is let's make sure we take the words of Christ and do the same for somebody else. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what it's saying. That's what the word's saying to us today. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for letting us 
come together.